Healthcare entities don't need to be worried only about inappropriate patient data access by hackers or insiders. They also need to be concerned about whether their business associates who handle protected health information are appropriately accessing and using patient data. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Ed Ricks, CIO of Buford Memorial Hospital in South Carolina. Ed will be describing some of the steps his organization is taking to improve security and privacy of patient data, especially when it comes to BAs that handle PHI. So now, Ed, for starters, as we know, BAs are often the culprits in large health data breaches. Approximately how many BAs do you deal with, and typically what kind of access do the BAs need for your patient data and why? We went through a big exercise a couple of years ago, and I think most folks did, with the high-tech changes, you know, to the HIPAA Act of changing the language, working with our attorneys, making sure that we were going through the right process for BAAs, and then to really clean up who we had them with. So I think a lot of folks sort of misunderstood, you know, what you really needed a BAA for, or who, maybe more specifically, working with your electronic health information uh, that's PHI. So we went through that process a couple of years ago. I think we're down to about 200 now that we have active BAAs, always a work in progress, and we try to refresh those, look at them annually. You know, I don't think we would ever really been successful if we hadn't actually implemented a system that sort of forced that stuff for us, helped us track them, helped us kind of monitor changes we'd made for certain people based on their own criteria and knowing that we're going through them periodically to make sure that we stay current and that there's still a need. But depending on the um, company you're working with, they all have sort of different needs for why they're why they have access to our electronic PHI or if they even happen to store it in their own environment. So certainly a lot of the EHR vendors that we work with, but we in healthcare you work with a lot of other sort of third party people at maybe our collections companies or even helping you with human resources issues and things like that, that really there's a lot of electronic PHI that can go back and forth. You know, we want to make sure that they're gonna treat it exactly the same way as we're holding you know, ourselves to the same high standard that the uh, HIPAA law asks for. Ed, with that said, what have been some of your biggest privacy and security challenges involving BAs? For instance, have you had privacy or security incidents in the past with any of them? Any sort of reportable breaches? What sorts of issues? We haven't. So I think the challenge is really staying on top of the access that they have. So just having a, to us, just having a BAA isn't probably enough. We also monitor how they can connect to our systems when you know, make sure that that's all secure and that that's by the people that they, we know who it is. And so it's not just an open-door policy, I guess, for lack of a better way to explain it, because it's easy to do that. You know, it just it's so much less of a burden to both our my staff and certainly the vendors to just have a unfettered access to the systems for ease of use for what they're doing. But, you know, we, we have to be careful for that. So we fortunately haven't had a reportable breach through one of our business associates. Now, one of our business associates did have a breach that they worked with us just to make sure that none of our data was connected to what happened with them. And it turns out in that particular case it wasn't. So we didn't have any concerns there. But, you know, they were very proactive when they discovered their breach. They were reporting it. They did have some PHI that did get out. But it, luckily for us it wasn't any of our customers. But, you know, we wanted to be prepared for that just in case. So now, Ed, what steps have you taken to help prevent and detect potential breaches involving your BAs, and do those steps include implementing new technologies as well as various best practices? 
Yeah, I think it's a great way to look at it. You know, there's a there's always going to be another technology, and there's always bigger and better, whatever it may look like. But like everything else, I think it's risk management. You know, we've got to look at what we can afford to do from a technological perspective versus what's really a process issue, and we've got to get our arms around that first and foremost. So almost no matter how good your technologies are, if you've got weak processes, I think that's where your biggest challenge is. So we've done a lot. This isn't a BAA thing, but just on our employee side from an educational perspective and awareness, you know, we've done a lot of HIPAA training over the last two years, really have kind of bolstered our program, which we had a very weak program, I'll be honest with you, a few years ago, and, and we sort of figured that we had to do something better. So hired actually a CISO, built a really good program that did focus as much on education and awareness as it did technology because you sort of take both parts. But from a technological perspective, you know, some of the tools are really nice now. With our BAA specifically, really that's more of a contracting issue and it's a issue of making sure that we don't let uh, contracts slip, that we don't let uh, folks have access who haven't gone through the process. And again, that sort of marries the technologies and the processes. And I think it took us a while to get that good also. You know, it's, it's not rocket science stuff, but it's just not easy to do and it's not easy to always follow through. I think that it's got to be sort of the singular focus for somebody to make it be very successful. And that's when we started to have success, when we identified, you know, you are a chief information security officer. This is your role in the organization. And, you know, certainly a lot of other hospital systems who are much bigger than us have had that role or departments for a long, long time. We sort of had to merge that together with our technology group, you know, in IT. And really what made it successful for us is when we carved it out as a separate subsection of the technical group. And really with that is their focus. So you can't get pulled off in all the other projects that become very important at that time that are all technology-related. It's just purely working on our security program. Now, in terms of identity access management and BAs, who handles that? Is that something that the BAs take care of in terms of which of their employees can have access or use your data, or is it something that you set up? You know, they they get into your network, and, but you manage the identity access management. We manage the identity access management for all the folks that are connecting to our systems. You know, in some cases... We are actually dealing with downloads of data that go between us and a third-party vendor that's a BAA of ours. So at that point, you know, it's incumbent on them to do the right thing, and that's where the BAA helps us. Say they've agreed to do all the right things just like we do, you know, from a from a HIPAA perspective. We're actually talking now if there's um, an easy way that we can start to do some audits on our business associates. You know, it would just be a paper audit. I don't want to go through a technological audit, but just list the top 10 or 20 things that we want to make sure that they're adhering to. Can they show us some of their audits that they perform? You know, the things that we do here that they're saying they're going to do. And so while that will take some bandwidth out of my team to make that happen, I think that's the really good logical next step for us, just to keep everybody honest. I think that's the important thing because it is so easy to lose data these days, you know, and we feel like that's one of our biggest risks in the organization, both internally and then externally, that we've got to keep doing more and more to keep our arms around that. Now, you've also mentioned that you've taken steps to improve detection, prevention of breaches involving insiders and also malicious outsiders. Any steps that you can sort of describe in terms of detection of breaches? Anything you're doing in terms of you know audit logs, access logs? We do, um, and again, maybe not as sophisticated as some folks are, and, and the, the technology keeps changing, so there's a lot of different ways to handle that. 
that are getting uh, more interesting to me, I think, all the time, and probably simpler, which makes it even better for us. But we do audits. We do look at access both from privileged users and if there are any attempts at access from non-privileged users to the information, and that's kind of automated, which has helped us. So getting the right tools can make a difference from that perspective. Honestly, I think the thing that's had the biggest impact to our users, though, you know, from a technological perspective, I, I think those things are very, very good, and we have to do that. I think it's the awareness things that we've done. We've done our own phishing campaigns. A lot of people have done that. And there are some neat utilities. We've, uh, we subscribe to one that's helped us do that. But that has been the best thing for just user awareness on what's okay to, to click on, what's not okay to click on, and the reasons why. You know, it's more educational than punitive for sure. But that has been something that's been more successful than I ever thought it would be for us. So really our focus has been as much on that awareness and uh, user education as the technology components. You mentioned privileged users. One problem that some organizations sometimes have is, you know, an employee will leave or they'll change their roles, but their access to data should change. Maybe it should even be cut off, but often it's not. And I guess the same could be said for some business associates. Employees leave, they change roles. Maybe they should have access. Maybe they shouldn't. Maybe they should have access only to certain data. Anything that you're doing to get a better handle on those situations to make sure that, for instance, employees or BA employees, their access is terminated or limited depending on what the situation may be? Yeah, we do. And I agree. I I don't know that anyone does a great job at that because that is very complex and difficult. Even with your internal employees, as you mentioned, it seems like it should be so simple, but it's not with all the transfers we have and that kind of thing. So we've tried to have systems to help us automate that from an HR perspective that kind of work their way all the way through the technology so that those changes can be automated. But it is complex, both from an employee perspective and from business associate perspective. We do put uh, expiration times on people's active directory accounts, you know, so that if certainly if they're inactive for a certain period of time, and depending on the risk, we may change that, but anywhere from 30 days to 90 days of inactivity, it will suspend the account automatically. Some people may be more aggressive than that, but, you know, that's sort of where we've landed in the sweet spot of still being able to have people do their jobs, you know, without us being a barrier to it, but us feeling like we're managing the risk appropriately. So that's probably the biggest thing we've done, you know, with our technology, I guess, is just expiring accounts due to inactivity. When we do have a BAA with someone, generally speaking, depending on what the project is, we know a length of time for that vendor that will need access at all. And so we'll expire all the accounts whenever that length of time would be up, regardless of the level of activity. And then, of course, we can renew that if we continue the engagement with the vendor. Ed, looking ahead into the rest of 2017, what are some of your top priorities this year when it comes to privacy and security-related initiatives? Priority number one is to not see our name of our hospital on a headline in Modern Healthcare or or any other magazine, you know, and I think that we joke about that, but most of my colleagues that I speak to, that is just a concern. Even if you are doing all of the right things, something could still happen. It could be purely accidental. It could be a malicious employee. It could be a whole host of things that with the right mix of technology and the right mix of processes still could happen. So we feel like we're always in fear of that. So I would say for the rest of this year and going forward, it is, just trying to find the sweet spot of how can we lock things down more from a technological perspective or, or process, you know, it may be you know, whatever our password retention policies or something like that, and still allow folks to do their job because, you know, I have to remind even the people in IT here all the time that we're not an IT organization, we're a healthcare organization, we are here to provide healthcare 
to our community, and so we cannot be a barrier to that, yet we still need to be cognizant of the law, you know, from HIPAA and all the other regulatory things that we're responsible for. So it's difficult to manage through what that sweet spot is. From just a pure technology perspective, I'm not sure what our next move will be. Um, We're looking at a few different things, but, you know, some of these things are also very expensive. So you're weighing that versus another CT machine or whatever it might be, you know, on the clinical side. And then today's economy for healthcare, you know, those are very difficult conversations, I think, but we still value what we do from a technology perspective and what's necessary. So we're working on it. But I would say, you know, really our focus is just as much policy, procedure, and risk management as it is new technologies. And finally, Ed, as a community hospital and a hospital that faces many of the same struggles that other community hospitals and smaller healthcare providers do across the nation, what are the top privacy and security worries that you have right now? What are the challenges that keep you up at night? In a community hospital, this is very, very true, but I think even for a bigger institution, it's the same thing. We have a certain level of trust with our patients and, and the folks in the community, Ed. And anything we can do to keep that is important to us. In fact, we sort of see it as a competitive advantage, you know. And so even though it seems funny to say our technology services or the things that we do helps us be a better hospital and helps us with our reputation with the folks in our community, I think it's very true. So we know that we can't let our guard down. I think that's maybe the biggest thing is that we've got to stay current with what we're doing both technology and processes around this and continue that relationship because that's probably the most valuable thing that we have with the community is really the fact that we're a trusted advisor to them, you know, and and, and you have to be, and I think that's important. So that's really a focus for us. I don't know if it makes a difference being a community hospital or a larger hospital. I think we have all the same challenges probably, and I think they're all just equally important. Our, Our challenge is maybe the resources to help do some of the things versus some bigger organizations. Thanks, Ed. I've been speaking to Ed Ricks of Beaufort Memorial Hospital. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.